really, it's wonderful to be able to welcome Harry Gregson Williams, the uh, famous uh, <laughs> composer of film music and uh, someone, the Bach I have worked with very happily over many projects. Harry, welcome and thank you for finding the time to do this for us. No, not at all. We're intrigued by film music and how the process really begins in terms of what you see. Do you see a script or, and then think, actually, I'd quite like to do this or does that go much further? And then you're asked to do the music. How does it work? Well, it varies, actually, David, because like with many things in this life, it's mostly about relationships. So, right. for instance, I have a relationship with Ridley Scott and I did with his brother, Tony Scott. So quite often I'm not approached by my agent to do something for Ridley. Ridley, for instance, uh, on the Kingdom of Heaven, which is something that the Bach Choir sang on. Yep. You know, Rid called me himself, uh, asked me to read the script, uh, asked me to react to it. So I read it and I could see between the lines there was going to be plenty of music to be had there asked me if I would do it and the whole process starts there and with that film in particular it's the kingdom of heaven for goodness sake um, <laughs> so I could hear voices in a good way not in a bad way in my head yeah. you know and Ridley and I would sit, look at his film a first cut of his film and try and imagine what the soundtrack would be you know how are we going to help tell the story with music and that particular film because it's kind of epic in many places I thought well I need to get a really big choir involved here. Uh, and and that's, that's where we came to work together on, on Kingdom of Heaven. And that was a, a wonderful project, I remember. So you kind of get the inspiration from the script and obviously things leap out. to other times when you think, hmm, this is going to be great, but actually I'm going to have to really work hard on finding the musical ideas or was it always just flow? Oh, goodness, no. No, there's a lot of anxiety and angst goes into all of it, of course. You know, things don't necessarily just pop out onto the page. You know, personally, I have a, you know, I have a method that I've tried to build up over the years. I generally start at the piano where I'm comfortable uh, and try and find some thematic material. Maybe it's a, a chord sequence, a chord shift or, or a melody that's starting to mean something to me. I have a film playing in the background of my studio beside my piano. When I'm kind of confident I've got some germ of an idea that's worth pursuing, I start to sequence the music so I can input MIDI messages and, and have it play back to me. I can call up on my sequencer a flute or a violin and that I can hear back a pretty good representation of what a flute or a, a violin sounds like. In terms of choral music, there's really nothing quite like the human voice. So so the, the demos tend to sound a bit crappy to begin with. And then that's why it all comes to life when uh, this great big, heard of people walk into Studio One, Abbey Road. Yeah, we start flapping our arms around and, and magic can happen. It's kind of always amazing to me yeah, that it, it feels like a kind of, almost like a symphony with pictures in a sense that uh, yeah, right. you're creating moods and themes that are actually going to be running all the way through that people can really recognise. And that's not dissimilar from a classical a tradition, of course, of, of composers setting out with their germs of ideas right, and so on. Right. And this podcast is all about the Verdi Requiem. And we're just going to take apart, you know, the Dies Irae, which is that terrifying second movement. Yes, um, yes. It's been much mimicked, I think. For me, it's the simplicity in a way yeah. and the directness of the message in that piece of music. It doesn't leave you with any doubt. Mm about the emotion it's trying to impart. And I think that's what film music can do. Um, you know, at its very best, it, it's, it's kind of a through line into the viewer, into their psyche. And, and often, you know, my old mate Hans Zimmer, who was the reason I started to even think about trying to be a film composer many years ago, 
You know, he said to me, Harry, we're, we're just storytellers. You know, we're, we've got to find subtext. One can be scoring, you know, writing music to a scene and channeling exactly what we see on the screen. That can be helpful. But we can also be in the background. We can also be a, a, another character in the scene, an unseen but heard character. You know, we can be laying the foundations for a relationship to break down or a relationship to happen. And that's what's so exciting about composing music for film. Yeah, at a subliminal level, we're giving the audience information that perhaps they don't even know that they're receiving. Could you give us a couple of examples of music that really comes to mind that uh, um, you attach to a film, which you would say, well, this is an example of, 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 our, of our kind of skill? A moment, for instance, in the first Narnia movie, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, um, as Lucy goes through the wardrobe for the first time into this snowy place, I had a couple of flutes, a harp, and I think some muted strings playing. And, and the director turned to me and said, look, how do we feel what Lucy's feeling here? The sense of wonder. Bringing in a choral element gives a certain humanity to the moment. This is one of my favorite moments that I was able to score. But there are many moments within that film and that score where a choral element was absolutely essential in my mind. Big battle scene towards the end of the movie, and I was using large choral forces. It's always been a bit of a, a bugbear of mine to hear the choir that's being utilized singing la la la, ah, 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 as if it's kind of the Greek chorus suddenly there, the Hollywood chorus. So I, I remember turning to my assistant uh, at the time, uh, and I said to him, uh, look, mate, we need to put some words in front of this choir, but I don't need it to be Latin. He said, I tell you what, what about runic? I said, well, what about runic? <laughs> I know nothing about it. He said, well, look, it's an ancient English language. So we researched a bit of this, and uh, the poor old choir <laughs> ended up having to sing sing some version of a phonetic version of runic um, <laughs> during this uh, Narnia battle. Uh, absolutely fascinating. Just one more, more question. You were a chorister along with your brother. To what degree, in the sense, all of that start in life of singing from a young age, to being involved as a as young musician in things, how important do you think that has been to you? Oh, my goodness. I think all important because, you know, if one thinks about it, where does my music come from? Any of us, you know, it's, it comes from the, our influences. Mm -hmm. How can it be from anywhere else? Unless one thinks it's some God-given thing. You know, if there, are, if there are a couple of decent bits of music that I've written over the hundred scores that I've done, they've got to have been influenced by those things. I want to add one thing, because it does sound very sort of elitist, and like someone's listening to this thinking, well, he must have been extremely lucky to have been at St. John's, Cambridge. Not all children will get that opportunity. As my mentor and buddy, Hans Zimmer, well, that boy has never had a music lesson in his life. <laughs> and look where that music's taken him. And, uh, you know, it's incredible that people can come at music in two very, very different ways, uh, as Hans and I did. And I think that's probably why we got on so well when we first met. He's very well educated musically. You know, he listens to a lot of music and knows a lot about it. But, you know, has he ever had the experiences that I had? Absolutely not. But has that ever restrained him in any possible way? Some of the keys that the Thin Red Line, one of his school, my favorite scores of his, some of the keys that that music flows through are almost unbelievable to me. And this isn't through him having any sort of formal education at all. I do firmly believe there's a place in the musical landscape for everybody if they have that desire. Absolutely. Music should be in all its forms available to everyone. And we'd all say hooray to that. Well, thank you very much indeed, Harry. You're very welcome. <laughs>